This is the Athletic Football Show. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of the Athletic Football Show is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, September 17th. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Shook Padia is going to be joining us a little bit later to do our weekly picks column. One game that we pushed out of six last week. A terrible, epically bad performance by my two friends, and I cannot wait to do it again. Before we do that, though, I am very excited to welcome my good buddy, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, man? How? Do, why did I volunteer for that? Like, it's great. It was like, it's so I was great. Like, I like gambling. I like football. Let's talk about it every week. Yeah. Oh, oh that's right. I have to. But make do you like yourself? Now. That's the yes, big, that's exactly. the important question. Do I like my mental health? Uh, that's a 50-50 proposition. So that I'm so glad. It's only way only way we can go is up. I went zero three. So I, I, I hopefully my takes will uh, overcome my picks. So that God, you better hope so, man. <laughs> right, right. I know. Come on, Rashad Bateman. You're running out of <laughs> utility if they don't. So. Every Friday, this is a new show. Obviously, we did not have a Friday show last year. I'm super excited to have one this season to be able to really dig into a preview. The way that we're going to format this every week, we're calling it the Friday Five to give us maximum flexibility. Five things, a matchup, a game, a player, five things that we're watching, that we're excited about, that we want to dig into. So that's what we're going to be doing every single Friday during the season. So let's get this started. We want to kick this off with the Steelers' defense. Obviously, a great performance last week against the Bills, a performance that we dug into a little bit on Sunday night's show. Rewatching that game, I think that we hit a lot of it on the head, right? Not a lot of blitzing, a lot of coverage, You know, a very particular game plan against the Bills. The thing about that, though, is that we're going from a very particular type of offense in Buffalo to an offense on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, with the Raiders. You wanted to talk about this. What interests you about this Steelers Raiders matchup on this, on that side of the ball? It's almost like a college defense and how they have to prep, like going from like a spread yeah. team to like a triple option team. Almost. Yeah. It's not so much that the Raiders are like that, but going from like 10 personnel, zero personnel, which is rare in the NFL, which is five wides. Um, it, it just, when I, I know some people know this, but personnel is uh, when I say that like 12 is one, it's the first number means how many uh, running backs are on the field. The second number is how many tight ends are on the field. So when I say yep. 12, that means one running back, two tight ends. So when I say zero personnel, that's zero tight ends, zero running backs. That means five wide receivers. And by the so, way, go- last, yeah. last week in the NFL, 10 snaps of zero personnel, the Bills had nine of them. Um, so <laughs> that's how rare it is. They had that's- nine of the 10 zero personnel snaps in the entire league last season. Oh, uh, and what's so funny is or last, teams, last week, excuse me. Yeah. So teams will fight because you have nicknames for personnel groupings because you don't want to like go zero zeros. And everyone's like, what the hell is zeros? So like team, I, I've been places where they call that Cinco uh, for five whites. I've had places called that nil. I've had places called that like all these different names that you're trying to come up with those types of things. So it's just kind of funny. But what I, I loved watching was because whenever you see a number 19 in the backfield, you're like, oh, okay, there's a receiver in the backfield. How does the defense respond? And the Steelers, though, was so cool. Was They're, they're going like big nickel. They had three safeties. on. I mean, they did more later in the game. But in the first drive, they had three safeties out there, including a seventh-round rookie and uh, Trey Sutton. And uh, it was just not Trey Sutton. <laughs> That's I mixed up two guys. Trey Norwood, uh, number 21. And he's a seventh-round rookie. And they're using him in the slot as a big nickel. And it was just 
really interesting to watch this defense go like we're like leaning into punch a little bit. And as far as like, we're going safe, we're gonna have big bodies. And they're like, we understand you have speed and you have really talented receivers. What we're doing is we're just having presence. We're just having guys near. So Josh Allen, cause he's operating quick. He sees it and he just feels like it's covered. Like, and so he has to get off of it. He's an empty in so many of those plays. He has to go boom, 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 boom. He has to be very quick with his operation. And I thought it was an awesome job by the Steelers defense to do that, to never give in the whole game. They're like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing the whole game. And what I thought was interesting, I still haven't gotten numbers on it, but they didn't blitz a lot. And that's what our, we both said it. We both made the joke. Not so blitz twice on Sunday. Yeah. They brought simulated pressures and Tons. they were bringing four mans. And that's the thing is like the modern Blitzburg. <laughs> like, I mean, that's kind of what it was. And they were sort of playing safe coverage, but they're, angling their defenders in the coverage in different ways and they're angling their pass rush in different ways and they're playing real safe with the pass rush it was just an awesome game plan by them but why i'm so interested to see them now go against the raiders raiders will live in that 22 personnel and then that 22 that's two backs two tight ends that's heavy they'll live in 12 personnel they'll go 21 they have no qualms doing that so now the steelers defense has to be in base are they going to be in big nickel like what what's this configuration going to look like and that's what i'm really excited to see with this 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 next game and also just i want to give a shout out not only Micah fitzpatrick but cameron sutton the corner he played for awesome the, for the steelers played phenomenal he i ended up watching him more than Mika, and i i was doing a i was doing a cut up on Micah fitzpatrick so that's how how outstanding he did but it, it was a really really great performance by them that even on film held up it wasn't like oh man they got lucky it was like no they they had a great game plan they executed it really well it was fun to watch that game because the bills came out with this game plan where it's like remember what we did last year we're gonna take yep. up three notches yep. because they yep. did a ton of that last year a lot of four yep. wides a lot of empty you know their empty package on first down replaced their run game in a lot of yep. situations where they were like you know what we're going to run a lot of this quick game stuff to get the ball out of Josh's hands, chew up some yardage on first down, stay on schedule. They really, the Bills truly believe their offensive staff in trying to have the pen in their hand at all times. If you can avoid third down, you control the game. That's how yep. they view this. And that's why they don't care about running the ball, because if we're getting chunks on first down, we never have to get to third <laughs> yeah. down when the defense has an advantage. So they did that a lot last year, but this was it to the extreme. 19 dropbacks out of empty. No one else in the league had more than 12 last week. We talked about it. They had one snap with at least two tight ends or a fullback on the field. One. That's insane. And That's they insane. had nine snaps with zero personnel. I mean, it was just the most wide open game I can remember seeing from yeah. an NFL offense. But while the Bills had this extremely tailored week one game plan, so did the Steelers. Yeah. The Steel they maybe they weren't ready for it to that extent. But their game plan was shaped around stopping an offense that was trying to spread you out and throw the ball around. It's like, all right, we're going to bring four, we're going to play a ton of zone, and we're going to make you hit precision throws. And I think what you mentioned is exactly right. Just giving him a sense that oh, that's not open. Like, that's not open enough. I've got to fit that ball in there. I don't want to try to. He, he played with just enough hesitancy. Over the course of that entire game, and I think they, they consistently made him uncomfortable. And I thought that's why it was really interesting to watch. And now you have a Raiders team, like you mentioned. The Bills had one play in their week one game with at least two tight ends or a fullback on the field. The Raiders had 57. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great stat. That's I mean, awesome. just 
you couldn't imagine two offenses that are approaching Could. this in a more different way. So now we have this very specific game plan from the Steelers last week. Outside of being in base personnel more, which you'd assume they're going to have to do against that Raiders team. Maybe not, but that's like the first instinctual response. What else do you expect to see from the Steelers against this Raiders offense and the way that it's constructed? Well, I want to see, like, Joe Schubert didn't play much, um, but I want to see how the linebackers play because they were kind of kept free and they kept them moving and kept them, you know, they did they did a good job of kind of not putting them in bad spots. Uh, speaking of Devin, Devin Bush and Alex Highsmith. And it was just, I, I want to see from more of them is now I want to see, see them play this run because they only had to do it like a few times. And I know Josh Allen's those QB draws they were running out of empty is kind of like, okay, that's that's a whole different animal than what you would do with Derek Carr. But now you're going to have to play against a play action heavy offense. So how do they carry? Can Cam Sutton carry a guy all the way? Can he keep up with Henry Ruggs going on a big over a big post? Do they have the team speed? Like the team speed last week was, a di- and when I would say that it's different, the team speed last week was more like you said, the quick game, Emmanuel Sanders, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, a little, you know, the Smurfs going left and right, just a little quick game stuff. <laughs> I can't believe I just dropped the Smurfs reference, but, <laughs> but, but the Raiders, it's all big chunks, big yep. over routes. And guess what? As good as make a Fitzpatrick played, he got burned by Diggs on one and they got lucky. It was an overthrow. There's a couple times where those safeties and he I mean, missed Sanders too on one. Yep. That was yep. right down the seam. They had a couple chances in that they had game. A couple that they chan- and that's the, and now it's a team that predicates themselves on pounding the rock and bombs away or uh, to an extent, but those designery kind of things is how they hold up against that game after game. Do it's not just one chunk throw a quarter. Now it's going to be three or four of them one, or it might be one per drive. So I want to see how they kind of handle that. Cause it's going to be a totally different game plan as far as how they have to play. And even like going at, like speaking to what the bills were doing, it's the, all that empty stuff made sense because, okay, if, Pittsburgh's going to blitz the crap out of us all game. Yes. Right, let's spread it out and make them declare where everybody's at. So it's like, okay, that actually, what the Bills did made sense. It's just that the Steelers, it's the game of chess. Like the Steelers were just a move ahead. And it's like, that's what's awesome about football is that little chess match. And they're just getting them to operate quickly. Like like I said, the presence thing with Mika Fitzpatrick coming down a lot in the robber position, um, other guys in the middle of the field, changing up the angles on everything is – they were kind of feeding into sub defenses versus sub offenses, or when I say sub 11, 10, zero personnel. So now that's going back to what the Steelers defense is, is now how do you just stay in base and just operate time after time? Can, you know, Devin Bush play the run over and over and over? Can he fit up against all these guys, big bodies climbing at them, take on a fullback? It's just going to be a totally different type of game plan, type of style of defense that they have to play. One of the other things that I noticed while rewatching that game you see some of the, the Steelers linebackers on a decent amount of plays literally were turned toward the sideline. Like that's the leverage that they were playing. They were, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember seeing it that drastic in just the Rolling. overall, literally just standing turned toward the sideline. Cause it's like, you are not throwing the ball between the numbers. Like yep. you are going to throw the ball or between the hashes, you are going to throw the ball outside of the numbers. They forced them to do that consistently the entire game into these soft zones and that's really hard. That doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Like, yeah. that's a very, very difficult thing to have to do. And I thought it was so apparent that, like, that was one of the coaching points. It's like, th- you're not even playing leverage. You're turned yeah. toward the sideline here. And their game plan was very specific, and it worked out really well. The other thing I wanted to ask you, how do you think they handle Waller? Like, what do you think the approach yeah. is against Waller? Minka. 
I, yeah, I, that I makes think sense. They, yeah, I think maybe they might be more of a single high game than they did last week. With a, I know that they were heavy too high. Who knows? Like, I mean, I don't know what the Steelers are going to major in this year. They Tom Wentz done an awesome job the last couple of years of just hodgepodging what his guys are and getting the most out of. I mean, they, him and Keith Butler. I mean, they really have done a great job. I want to change my coach coach of the year pick from uh, Zimmer to Tomlin, <laughs> but it's uh, but it's uh, going from that. It's it's. I want to see, I not want to see, but I do think that they have Fitzpatrick come down on, on Waller a little bit, or maybe trying to keep him in the box. Like I, I'm trying to, I'm actually, I want to see if they press him a lot. Like if they're going to have a guy, if they're going to truly go man to man, are they going to go, I don't think they'll go two man too much, but you don't have to worry about Derek scrambling as much as Josh Allen. Um, I think some of those simulated pressures were, okay, you bring those four, you create kind of like a little bubble around the pocket but then you kind of create a match on Waller, like an inside out bracket kind of look where you have the linebacker flying him inside and then you have the nickel or the safety coming down on the outside. So it's kind of like a, a, you know, double team in a, in a, in a sense, but it's just out of zone coverage. So I think that's how they do it, but that's why you have make a Fitzpatrick. He's, <laughs> he's the Swiss army knife. It's like, we got to do this, this, this week. Okay. Go make a go, go, go do us. It's, it's Kyler Murray on offense, but just him on defense. That's exactly the same thing. It makes me want to watch the Steelers defense the entire year because when you obviously you with when you they have pulled us back season, in, they pulled when you us have back all in. off season to game plan, it's a little bit different. Like yeah. they literally had six months to figure out yeah. how they wanted to defend the Bills in this game after they played late in the season. Now they have five days to adjust to what they want to do against the Raiders. Yeah. But when you can throw that curveball the way that the Steelers did last week, it's like, all right, what's the next junk pitch when you see yeah. a very different defense or a very different offense? And that's why this is interesting. One note here before we move on, Denzel Good tore his ACL. He was playing right guard for the Raiders last week. Richie Incognito still isn't practicing. John Simpson was playing for him last Monday night. So just a couple offensive line injuries starting to pick up. And we saw what the Steelers' defensive front did to the Bills last week, bringing four. I mean, Cam Hayward is a problem when your offensive line is healthy, let alone when you've got a couple guys that aren't playing. So just something to keep an eye out there. Let alone when you have TJ Watt and then Melvin Ingram getting yeah, put in a great position. Melvin Ingram, like moving around how he should, like that's the best thing he does. He's the best spinner in the NFL. Like just move him around and let him hit his spots. And it's like, oh my God, like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck because you're going to get Melvin Ingram on one of those guards. I guarantee it. Well, especially with two at not playing, the fact that Ingram can be an interior pass rush presence and yeah. you can put him out there with Highsmith. And those yeah. can be your four guys in certain packages. I think it gives them a lot of needed flexibility with two it not practicing or not playing. Yeah. All right, mm. let's get to the next one here. Let's talk about Devontae Smith. He had a really nice opening game. You wrote about it on your Substack. People that have not gone to check out your Substack yet absolutely oh. should. The silent count. You dug into everything, all things Devontae Smith from his debut <sighs> last week. What was like the biggest thing that jumped out to you about the way that he oh. played against Atlanta? Oh my God. Just how smart he is. Uh, he is. <laughs> I, I'm going to take your line. I am going to take a line from Robert, Robert Mays here. The subtleties and nuances of Devonte Smith is what I loved. It is. It is. I was high on him. He, I, I've hyped up Rashad Bateman. I've hyped up, you know, as a joke, Amir Smith, Marseille, kind of a half joke, but other guys, but Devonte Smith was my receiver one. Like he was, yeah. and I, he had a chunk between him and Bateman. Like it, I had a, I, I, when I we went to the whole thing, like I wouldn't take a receiver in the top 10. He was the only one I could justify, but I was still a little iffy because how he's built and all that. But having said that, what stood out to me is just how smart he is. Uh, it's just the first example I have was there's a pressure and it was a cat, a cat pressure. A cornerback cat is a corner comes and they're playing a DMP defense, which they bring all the time. 
uh, receivers are taught to yell out cat, 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 cat. And it's, it's in theory, there's the quarterback and the offensive line here. They go, okay. Oh shoot. I would say less than half of the receivers actually do that during a season. Like I, if, if I had a ballpark it in practice, it always happens in camp and everyone's like, Oh, good job. Good job. But in the game never happens. Devonte Smith, two minute drill, no huddle rookie first game does it. And I was like, hell yeah, this guy is awesome. His feel for routes. He has such a great understanding of finding soft spaces against zone. He's built like a, a you know, a beanpole. But the thing is, even against man coverage, he can beat press because he understands how to attack North as he's releasing. I think it's I, really I, cool to watch it. Isn't it? Isn't it? Well, now that you see like, I mean, and the DB corners don't know how to handle it. Cause they're like, Oh, cause it's, it's really threatening to them. Usually a lot of these receivers, some can get away with it. Some can't, they kind of do the little shimmy at the line. And it's like, yeah, some guys can do that because they're strong or really quick. Devante does that. And he's like three yards up, like, uh, and, and the corners just feel so threatened. And that's why they can't get hands on them because they just don't know they they're tight. They, they get jammed. It's almost like a, a pitch inside. They, they can't turn around. They can't get around on it, but he does that. And just the, the route running is, I had an example in one of the plays. It was a quick out. Uh, but it's just how friendly he stays to the quarterback. It, it's a hard yeah. thing to kind of describe unless you see it. Um, a lot of in-breaking routes, this was an outbreaker, but in-breaking routes, a lot of receivers will drift up field because they're trying to catch the ball as they're fading away. Devontae Smith al- already as a rookie, and he did this in college, so it's so cool that he's still doing it as a pro, is he stays friendly. And that's staying flat or even coming downwards on breaking on the routes. And he does it every single time. And then I, I think there's one in the slot. He had a slot out where he came down. He stayed friendly to quarterback. If he stayed flat on this route, he, it would have been undercut by the linebacker. It's just those. And it's just when you're pot. And I haven't even talked about another thing, but I'm going to wait a sec. But I, because I know I've just been gushing about for five minutes straight. It's just, he does all these things. Every time he's on the field, he's positively affecting the game. He doesn't take a playoff. He's competitive as hell. He, he is smart as hell. It's like he's blocks his ass off and he knows where to go. He's not making mistakes. It's just every time he's on the field, he positively affects the game. And you can't ask for more from a receiver. I notice it all the time at Alabama, just how hard he attacked balls downhill. When he's coming back to the ball, he attacks the ball. Yep. And that's obvious like out in open space. And you pointed out like a hitch where he did that, where he's coming back at the ball hard. The play you're talking about where he's getting friendly back to the ball, that's harder to notice. It's not as apparent, but you see him coming back toward the ball just very subtly on that play. The release that you talked about with him moving up field, it's crazy to watch. It was a play, I think, in the first half where he's in the slot on the left side, and it's almost like he's floating at the corner. It's like he's floating above the ground before he makes his initial release. And it reminds me in a lot of – like Devontae Adams is the best. And Devontae is also moving forward when he makes those plays. It's not a lot of side-to-side movement. And this is a comparison that Brandon Thorne has made in the past. I think it's really, really smart. Playing receiver and pass rushing are really similar. When you're a pass rusher, you always want to be moving toward the quarterback as you're stringing together moves. And that's what Devontae Smith does. He's moving toward the quarterback while he's stringing together moves. There's always forward movement. And that's really difficult to deal with. When you're playing against either an offensive lineman or a cornerback that's moving backwards. I actually had this thought while watching the Seahawks this week. I think Jamal Adams would be an awesome receiver. Like when he's <laughs> rushing the passer, I think the way he moves, it reminds me of the way a really good receiver moves with that forward movement all of the time. Yep. And so nah. those are two players that you wouldn't usually connect in your mind. But Devontae Smith and Jamal Adams were doing very similar things to me this week as I was watching them. 
So it's still said overlap. Like, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting when you see it in practice. And I totally agree. Just all of the stuff that he was doing, it's the stuff we expected from him, right? It's like yep. big, dropping him in that game in that Eagles jersey. He did all of the stuff that I liked about him when he was playing at Alabama. Attacking yep. the ball downhill like that was the biggest thing. He is going to go after that thing, even when there's no one around him. It doesn't matter. Yep. Like that is just his natural wiring is to do that. And it's been awesome. And now we're going into a game against the Niners who have no corners. <laughs> Jason Verrett is out for the year. Emmanuel Mosley still not back at practice as he gets back from a knee injury. I mean, this could be another decent day for Devontae Smith, who had six catches on seven targets for 71 in his first game with the touchdown. I mean, guy hit the ground running. Not surprised. I'm sure you're not surprised, but still. I, watching him in preseason, I was like, oh, baby. Like, because I, I did a little something <laughs> on him in the preseason, but I was like, he's not going to miss a beat. So, okay, let's wait until I, I want to watch him against once, you know, even if it's the Falcons defense. Let's let's see him against the ones, you know. And it, it was like, oh, my God, he looks just exactly the same. He looks exactly the same. It's like, yeah. this guy won the Heisman. It's, it's, and there, this guy is so unbelievable. He's always, the last two years, there's been four first round Bama receivers. He was the best one. Like, and this, we just had to wait for him to come out and declare. And that's how he looked. And even in the blocking stuff, I know it's like kind of a meme at this point. Like, I'm going to love receiver blocking. We both are. But it's, you can see those clips is, you can see his brain working. Because he has to adjust post-snap. So many receivers, it's rote memorization. They go, well, I blocked the corner here. And then all of a sudden it moves. And they go, and you see those guys, uh, uh, uh. And we're going to see that come up. Uh, uh, this is a sidebar a million times this year, if we're going to see more quarters coverage, you're going to see so many receivers have to push to the safety to block them. And I, I, it keeps well, coming. We're seeing up. it all the time. Think about all how many like time. quick RPOs against quarters oh, you saw in that Dallas Tampa so Bay game. Much. That yeah. They're doing it so much. Well, we're going to get into that a little bit, but yep. you're seeing a lot of that stuff. I totally agree. Yeah. I and mean, Devontae Smith it, is pushing. He pushes right to it. Like no hesitation. He sees it. It's like, oh my God, you, you, his IQ is very apparent. He has a very, very high IQ. And even my one negative from the preseason was he had drops, but guess what? I like in, if you remember him at Alabama, he had probably, he has the highest graded hands I've ever given anybody. That's kind of how I'll put it. So no, those drops that happened in the preseason, I'm not worried about at whatsoever because it's, he, he's the only receiver I've ever given rare hands to, and that's what he has. So I know I'm super excited to watch this guy. I really am excited to watch him against a little better team, um, even if they don't have corners, but it's it, it's going to be really fun. I, I'm really excited to watch Devontae Smith develop. All right. The third thing we wanted to hit here was the Carolina Panthers just coming into a matchup with a much better team. You know, they were a fascinating team coming into the year. The Sam Darnold trade, you know, some of the moves they had made on defense. You know, It's year two of that defensive rebuild. They win a close game over the Jets. I think the final score a little bit misleading, which we can dig into. Nate, Sam Darnold. I hope you saved your Sam Darnold stock. You you and Dan Orlovsky had all of the real estate left on Sam Darnold Island, and you might be able to cash that in right now. He looked pretty damn good in that game. He They made it clean for him, and this That's is what That's exactly right. That's what you wanted to see. It was him. He hit the stop back foot of his drop and that ball was getting out. And that's what you need from Sam Darnold. Don't let him double clutch. Let him hitch and throw, hitch and throw. And I mean, I can get into it right now because it's like, I, I got excited. I mean, I know the Jets defense is eh, but it's, 
but even what... it's, it was the timing that he was playing with. That yes. was the most impressive thing. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. The timing yeah. that he was playing with, how quickly the ball was getting out, how he was reading certain things, which we can get into. I, I want to get out in front of that because yeah. anybody can say, oh, he was playing against the Jets defense. He was playing with such an understanding. This is why when I was talking to people there before the season about why they wanted him and why they thought he could be a different player. It's because they had so much faith in Joe Brady's ability to articulate the offense to him. It's like, all right, this is the concept. This is why we're running it. And this is what you're looking at and what you need to do based on X thing happening. If X, then Y, you make a throw. And yeah. the ability, and when you watched Carolina last year, I think you saw that. You saw Teddy Bridgewater operating with a certain speed and with a certain precision because of how clearly the offense was articulated to him. And I yes. think that you saw that this week. And there are several throws that stuck out to me, but you keep going. I just wanted to get out in front of that very fast before we kept going. No, that's exactly right. It's Last year, it was seeing the differences between what I thought that offense would look like and then they had Teddy back there and it was like, oh, they played to Teddy's strengths. And so that's but I got a little higher on Joe Brady because of that. And it was like, oh, wow, that's good coaching. Wow, what a concept. Uh, but as when we were saying, like, he gets rid of the ball, like, he he had a couple quick hitting uh, play actions, but it was not, none of thing was more than a five step drop. There was no true seven step stuff that wasn't a play action, which is perfect because that is hard to do a true seven step drop. And we could talk about the Vikings and what they do, but, uh, but those five step drops, it's five hitch and throw. Five plant and throw. He's bodying DJ Moore on a stop route. Half field reads where he's just going. He glances at the safety. He works aside and he goes one to two. It's like yep. take the fat out of everything. And it's what it's good. It's good scheming. Like for what you have, you have a couple talented receivers. Um, I saw a nine eighty nine concept in there, and which is you know I'm always gonna love. And they ran the shit out. Explain of that what LSU. that is. Nine eighty nine is what I call it. Some people call it doubles. It's Nine, a nine route is goes on the outside and eight is the middle route and an old school numbering system. This is what North Turner would do. It's uh, it's left to right. Those numbers, or I'm sorry, X to Z with those numbers. So it'd be X, Y, Z. So the nine is the X, the eight is the Y or the slot, whoever it is in there. And then the Z is the last number. That's just how kind of the configuration in a world where there were only three guys out in routes right and then you tagged everything else and then they all of a sudden they start going 11 personnel and everyone's like wow this got really wordy really quick (laughs) we have to figure (laughs) out maybe we should just call it one word and everybody knows it wow uh but it's yeah but 989 is that that's just in my head how i call it you call double goes but um it's a very simple concept it's 99 peyton manning used to run the crap out of this they would go 12 personnel dallas clark would be in the slot and they and it's a read route by that that tight end or the slot guy they either have a, a true post running at the post or they run a dig based on two high or one high coverage. They ran it to they uh Darnold hit DJ Moore on this on the nine route, on the go route, and you can see Darnold just operate and true. That was the back shoulder throw, doing. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Back shoulder. Yep. And so I, I kind of already contradicted myself. I said, oh, they didn't really do any true seven step drops, but when they they did do this one. And when they did it, max protect. Hey, the ball was protected. out of his hands instantly, though. It was Correct. he let that thing go right away. It's an easy. It's 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 a. I would shouldn't say it's an easy read. It's it's fairly easy to do. You just have to make a throw, and that's why Peyton Manning could abuse it over and over and over. Tom Brady runs it with Bruce Arians over and over and over. Joe uh, uh, Joe Brady ran it over to Tom, all the time with Joe Burrow, 
Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall. I would too, <laughs> if I had that personnel. Um, so that's what it is. You're saying my guys are going to win on the outside. And if they're not, we'll check it down. It's touchdown to check down old school offense, but I love that concept. They ran it with him. They ran Y cross, which is, you know, great, great concept, which is a go route slot runs an over route. And then the backside guy either runs a dig or a post. It's an easy one to read because it's a cross field progression for a quarterback. It's my personal favorite concept in the world because it's just, I think it's, the, it has answers to everything you want to run. They ran every, nothing was designery. Everything was a good core concept. Four verts, Y cross, 989, stop routes, like just stuff that is one to two to get the ball out. One, two. My favorite one, throw two, that he made out. the entire game. I mean, obviously the Anderson touchdown is beautiful. And yeah. that was a quarters beater, I would assume, right? Because yep. Drive they, and Robbie Anderson was on the slot in the slot on the left side. He ran just a skinny post, and then they tied down the quarter safety on the other side with the tight end. So it turns yep. into man coverage on that backside. And yep. Darnold did an incredible job of just extending the play a little bit, stepping up in the pocket, hits a throw down the field. It was gorgeous. Yep. But my favorite throw he made the entire day was the smash he hit to DJ Moore. So oh, they yeah. had they they ran a the smash concept is bottom of the screen. Yep. So with the smash, the outside receiver runs a little hitch, and then the ins the number two receiver runs a corner behind it. It's really good to run against quarters, which we can get into. At, I we saw so many smash concepts last week. We did because more teams are running quarters. The Bills, that was the Bills' best play last week because that's just what those the, the Cowboys the ran in. it like a bunch of different ways. Yep. I think you're yep. going to see a lot of smash. Time is a flat circle, baby. We're getting back to smash and digs. It's awesome. <laughs> so they were running it. and It was interesting because McCaffrey was the run running was running the hitch as the number yeah. 2 receiver on that side. So like so the McCaffrey runs that, holds it down and then DJ Moore runs the corner behind it. And he ran the the timing of it was beautiful. Looked at McCaffrey, corner was down on it, the corner back was down on it, hits the corner right behind it. And that's the stuff, it doesn't matter who you're playing. As yeah. long when you're playing on time like that, when you're seeing the game with that sort of clarity and we're gushing about this and it, it, the results are not that great when you look at points scored. They stumbled in the red zone twice. Mm -hmm. He misses Ian Thomas on that throw in the in the end zone. That's a touchdown if yep. he hits that. And then they had another third down where he had Robbie Anderson on a slant. He went to the flat to Terrence Marshall instead. A little bit of a tougher throw. Two field goals out of that easily could have been two touchdowns. The way they moved and the ball up and down the field was very impressive. And then they literally stumbled when uh, Darnold handed the ball to the fullback accidentally on a, on a bob play, yes. on a lead play, which I have done before. I have done when you're going like you're just like, oh, yeah, I have a single back, single back, single back. And all of a sudden you turn around and you forget that the fullbacks are going to be there. Yeah, I've done that. Not in a NFL game, of course, but, you know, maybe a little, a little lesser, maybe in a scrimmage at, in Madison, Wisconsin with the twos and threes. Uh, but it also with, with what Joe Brady did, which I, I you forget that he's a Saints guy. Choice routes to CMC, baby. It's uh, oh my several god, they, of them they spammed them. Oh, looks gorgeous too, doesn't it? Having like him he, in that offense is is a really big deal. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. what they can do with him. And again, we'll see what it looks like against better teams. And they're playing against a better team in the Saints this week. But this was the plan. Like, yep. if you were trying to be optimistic about what Sam Darnold would look like, it was having McCaffrey as that option, and it was just having guys he trusts. The, yep. When he let go of some of those throws, you talk about the comeback, the back shoulder throw to DJ Moore. I think on their first or second drive, they had a third down, clearly against man coverage, and he threw a slot fade to Terrence Marshall on third yeah. down. Yep, incomplete, but a good good ball placement, it, good it, choice. It was, it was a good right play by throw. the corner. It should have been completed too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So just stuff like that. It's like 
when we get man, I trust my guys to win, and I'm gonna play with that timing and those that that level of decision making. It's like if this is a 50-50 ball, I'm gonna put it out there. He did yep. not do a lot of that. There was not that decisiveness when he played with the Jets because there was not that level of trust in the offense or the talent around him. And I think you can already see that starting to simmer in this new situation. I think it's exciting. Like I'm excited to see what it, it looks like. I think I think the word you you used right there is the exact word that's like just sums it up. He was decisive. It, it, it's just taking all the options away from him and just going like not I'm not meaning that in a mean way, but just kind of going like let's just trim the fat and just go one to two and just be a quarterback and let's not overthink it. Let's not reinvent the wheel. Just run good concepts and just I think what helps is Adam Gase was so designery every single week. Like, does can anyone in the world tell me what Adam Gase's favorite play is that Peyton Manning hasn't designed? <laughs> can anyone? Anyone? No one can. But I can tell you what Joe Brady likes. I just told you what he ran at LSU, 989. He runs choice. Like, he has played the core concepts that are good concepts. So, you know what helps when you have core concepts is you know what the answers are no matter what the look is. It's yeah. If it's cover two, if it's cover man, if it's man, if it's two man, if it's blitz. And when you run a bunch of concepts, if the defense, which I'm sure the Saints will do next week is or on Sunday is very up what they're going to bring. They're not going to just kind of do what the Jets did. They're going to bring a bunch of different looks. If you know where the where if you follow your rules and you know what the rules are, it just helps everybody. And seeing a quarterback, if he can get to that level, that's going to be really exciting. That's why this game is going to be really a fun matchup and a good test for them. What do you think? I mean, obviously the Saints are a better defense than the Jets, but what specifically about the way the Saints approach the game do you think provides a different sort of challenge for the Panthers' offense this week? Oh my God! Like, well, last week they had every Packers play dialed up. <laughs> that that kind of helps, but um, just up front and just the, the more uh, more of an aggressive uh, look from the Saints. They like to come down on everything, DBs and up front, and they love, love all the games and everything. So first off, up front, uh, that's going to be just a totally different animal. I love Quinn and Williams and everything, but Saints D-line was kicking ass last week, and I, I think they'll continue that. Um, but also just blitz-wise, it's going to be a lot more exotic uh, if they do. If the Saints do, if uh, Dennis Allen does decide to heat him up, which he, he does in the past, just the looks they're giving. We talked about the Steelers varying up the angles that they cover people. Saints are... That's what they do. That's kind of how they do it. So now bringing up that point about these core concepts and knowing all the answers, that's why I'm curious. I want to see Sam Darnold get fooled and see how he operates post-snap because that's what the Saints do. They'll fool you. They'll they'll go, oh, this is a blitz, and then just drop everybody out. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I got the ball now. What do I do now? Or they go, oh, this is a safe look, and they bring a saw. Like, you know, they just do those types of things. A saw being a Sam and a Will pressure. It's a heavy pressure. Um, but it's they do those types of things, and that's – so that's why I want to see, okay, we saw the almost like the day one, two, three install of this Panthers offense. Now I want to see what's their second step from it uh, against a defense that's going to make them get to that second step because they're going to know they saw what they saw on film. They're going to go, we're going to do this, this, and this. And you got Joe Brady going against his former mentor <laughs> with the Saints that kind of knows what concepts that are going to be defending that week. <laughs> All right, really quickly, let's talk about the Panthers' defense because you know they played against the Jets' offense last week. But a few new pieces, you know, they go draft J.C. Horn in the in the first round in the top ten. They sign Hassan Reddick. You know, this is a defense that did some unique stuff last year. I mean, it was kind of an outlier in the way they approach things, whether it was three man rushes or the amount of you know three, uh, cover three that they played. So, were they in their own little universe? What stuck out to you about the Panthers' defense when you watched them last week? Shaq Thompson, Shaq Thompson, take a bow. He, he oh was awesome. Yeah. He oh my was God. awesome. 
he looked like a star. Like he looked incredible. Like that yes. was that. Yeah. That's what stuck out more than anything. Um, but really, uh, before I get into it, but I really can't wait to see Brian Burns versus Ryan Branchek and Toronto Armstead. Like that's going to be a really fun matchup. Um, that defense was a lot of single high there. I can see now why they went after JC Horn because he was best in man coverage and, and being in that type of uh, corner. And they were a lot of three. I, I didn't really see too much man, but I saw a lot of three in there are varieties. I want to say they were like 35% man on third down, which is right in line with what they did last year. Okay. So I expected them to be more man heavy. They were not more too. man heavy in week one, but they did blitz a lot. I think they sent 11 five, man pr- five or more man pressures, which is a little out of character for them from last season. But I think they were a little bit more comfortable doing that. But it was a lot of zone pressures, which... Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, like matchy stuff, whatever. <laughs> matchy, but yeah. They, they sent a lot more heat than I expected them to in that game. Yeah, and I mean, they got Brian Burns free a couple times, so good on you. <laughs> like, if you if you could do that, I think that's what they're trying to do with those five man pressures, and that's kind of a recurring theme: is you're trying to create one on ones. You're, exactly. you're either you're hoping the offensive line one is lazy and especially if it's a five man protection and they missed a point, you disguise it in some way. Two is creating one on ones, and when you have what we think. I mean, I think everyone should think this a star at a D end over there, Brian Burns. It's like that makes a ton of sense to unlock those types of guys. Uh, but that's that's what you're just that's what they're doing. Like that's what their pressures are trying to do. Just create those one on ones. And just if you're in a single high world, that kind of makes sense to run those five man pressures just because of the defense that you run behind it. It's either going to be man with no whole player or it's going to be a, a three void, or it's going to be a three or a three zone dog where it's a, a guy's dropping of some sort. I did see Burns drop a couple times, the other end drop. They a did that times. several times. They, yeah. I, I think that they're going to use Redick in that way a decent amount. Where yeah. we talk about edginess in the pocket, not only did they bring at least eleven blitzes in that game, I couldn't. Even, I mean, it was at least five, six, seven more four man pressures from unconventional places where Thompson's coming and Reddick is dropping out all yep. they're doing have him double clutch one time just have That's him hold on to the ball for half a second yep. and we trust the pocket crushers with Brown and Daquan Jones now and Burns to get home if you have to hold on to the ball for half a second more so they're doing a lot of interesting things in the front yeah. to make quarterbacks uncomfortable against a rookie quarterback that was a lot easier than it might be for the rest of the season. But again, yeah. I liked what I saw from them one week into the year. Agreed. I I, I just, this is what, it's going to be a great test for that defense too, because I think the Saints are going to just pound away on them. And so I want to see how that first round pick Derek Brown holds up. That's going to be a big, big game for him because he's going to have yeah. to hold those double teams because I bet you the Saints are going to pound it on him. And like you said, it's, it's curious. It's that now we're going to see Jameis Winston against this defense and it's actually, it's, I think they're going to play a little better than the Packers did last week. Um, so if he does miss those throws, are we going to get tip balls that might happen or some of those sorts where there's going to be less room for error? Cause that's what they're doing. Like you said, the double clutch they're they're betting that if they can get you to not they're what they're doing is making the quarterbacks be right always, or the play caller be right. Always. You know how hard that is every single snap that you drop back and pass. That's really, really hard. So they're betting that you're not going to gash us enough that we have to get out of it. So We'll see it against one of the best play callers, and a quarterback is playing pretty well. But uh, we'll we'll see how it unfolds. One of the things I'm going to watch the way that they're set up, Reddick and Burns both are drastically undersized. Like yeah. if you look at yeah. both of those guys on the edge, I want to see if the Saints are like, you know what, fuck it, 
<laughs> we're lining up rods. with two tight ends or six offensive linemen, and we're just we're going to cave in the edge every single play, and that's going to be how we approach this. I would not be surprised if that was a big part of their game plan because they can do that against this team. All right, number four, Dak Prescott against Brandon Staley, man. It doesn't get much better this with is, week two matchups than this. This is this us. is the athletic this, football show bowl. This is us week two. Like what a treat. Thank you. NFL screwed the opening game last week. This is our treat right now. Very cool to see Dak in that offense against that new look chargers defense. I want to dig into both of those units and what we saw from them in week one. What did you think of the Cowboys offense? Because I, both of us love Dak Prescott, right? Yeah. We have a lot of faith in the personnel on that side. I think each of us, even after all of the volume production from Dallas over the first month of last season, wanted a little bit more in terms of putting their guys in the right spots. It, yep. it feels a little static at times. It feels a little boring at times. I came away pretty impressed with some of the wrinkles that they threw in and some of the different tweaks we might see from their offense this year. Yeah, even little things like, okay, they have Amari Cooper at Z as opposed to an yeah. X. Because they can yep. move him around. They can put him in the slaughter outside. Like just little things like that. Like, and why that matters, like an X receiver is going to be on the line, on the ball. He's a, a, he's a split end. That's what they used to be called. A Z used to be called a flanker. And that makes sense, right? Flank around, move around. And that's, so that's where putting Amari out there, they can get him into the slot, the touchdown he had on the corner route. He's the point man in the bunch, you know, and then, and CD Lamb, oh, CD, he had a couple of drops, but just operating from the slot a little bit, it was, it was interesting how they kind of mixed those back uh, back and forth. I know some people were kind of ragging going, oh, they got the ball out quick. They're worried about Dak's arm. I thought Dak's arm got stronger as the game went on. He hit a couple inside throws. that was, Those were missiles. And I mean, Dak's never had m- more than a good arm, and now it's more like above average average. But the thing is, he operates so on time and on schedule that it doesn't freaking matter. Like we, we, can well, talk we also about had to deal with so much pressure. I mean, they so much pressure. On, I think I, they blitzed on more than fifty percent of his dropbacks, I and mean, they were bringing crazy pressures for most of that game. And games, and and he's moving in the pocket. Even like the touchdown to Omari, he drops a snap, and he, uh, it was the little uh, uh, short comeback in the end zone. Yep, and he he's fading away, and he throws it. That was a high level. 0.0001% throw that no one is making a big deal about, <laughs> including myself, because he made it look so casual. Like he is operating at a, his mentally just on a whole nother level. Um, I thought as far as play calling, I thought Kellen Moore did a great job. Zach Martin was out. So, and guess who's on the other side of the ball? Vita Vea and the God of Sue. Yeah. I'm not going to really think our run game is going to really get it done. So how he did it was doing those quick swings, a bunch of screens early. They were getting, they were trying to get those big D linemen moving side to side, side yep. to side. They were keeping them in base a lot. They were in twelve personnel and and pony personnel. Thirty five percent of the time, twenty seven of their seventy seven snaps, they were in twelve personnel with two tight ends, which was I believe they were they, last year. I think it was around twenty percent. So it was definitely a tendency changer from what they were a year ago. And I think that and was purposeful it. for the exact reason that you mentioned. Yep, it's it was they were trying to keep. They were trying to keep the Bucks. I almost call them the Jets. The Bucks and base, Todd Bowles, because that's when I last broke down. Todd Bowles was in 2017. So to me, it's permanently the defense. The, the Todd Bowles defense is the Jets. So, but with the Bucks, it's if you keep them in base, you don't let Todd Bowles do his exotic shit. You don't let yep. him get to those fancy pressures and guys move in and edge. And we keep them in base. The first play of the game for the Cowboys, they were backed up. It was an awesome punt, probably the best punt of the year. That and it was the first punt of the year, might be the best punt of the entire season. Uh, pinned at the own one yard line, and in those backed up situations, you kind of have two ways to look at it. We try and get a first down, just 
matriculating three yards, four yards, run the ball, get heavy personnel, or you do the opposite and spread it out and make them spread the whole field, get a little quick little hitter, and then just get the yards. They fought fire with fire there because Bulls, of course, brought a, they went, they went base personnel. They were 12 personnel. So box match with base. So what does that do? That puts Shaq Barrett out, not onto the line of scrimmage. He's out in coverage. You don't want Shaq Barrett in coverage. You want Shaq Barrett rushing the passer. Then on top of it, it just everyone spread out. They knew where the pressure was coming. It was uh, uh, try on the rookie. They knew to slide the pressure over there. And so even though they only had five man of protection here because the Cowboys were in empty, they were able to protect it up. And Dak was able to hit it, ch- not even just get a five yard gain, like a little quick, ha- quick hitter. He had a chunk play to Amari Cooper. That's good offense. When you're hitting home runs, when doubles are available or singles are available and you said, screw that, I'm hitting a home run, that, that's awesome. That was the first play of the game. They're fighting fire with fire. So I was really, I was, I was, I was impressed with Kel, how Kellen Moore called the game. The, the, the smoke and go touchdown to C.D. Lamb, he set well, that, that up was, earlier. The cool part was they ran the screen on, that ex- on the same drive. They ran same, the exact same, same look, screen. Same, same look, same personnel, same everything. And they set that up beautifully, except... It's one of those things that you don't realize until afterwards how uh, how you know a shot play is coming or how you know a pass is coming off of the same look. So when they run the first one, they run they're they're going hurry up and get to the line because that double stack formation it's hard to cover when you're going hurry up. It's when you don't can't call it out of the huddle, but that's a whole other side story. So they call it. They hit the smoker out the gallop. Gallop gets eight yards. Da-da-da. The next time they call it in the, near the red zone, all of a sudden. They're taking their time. The center's pointing who the protection is. Even though it's the same look, it's like something's not the same here. This is yeah, a different it's been making pace. a meal out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, something's a little different here than I think another run smoke that you guys just did, but it didn't matter. It was a great pitch and catch. I mean, Dak got that ball up and down. Like, that's not an easy throw because that just outside the red zone is a weird area for shot plays. Like a lot of offenses between the 25 and 40, it's called the gold zone or green zone. That's your shot play area. You get past half field. Hey, hey, we're, we got a cool little designer play. They got to like the 23 and you could tell that it's like, they really wanted to call it. And they yeah. said, might be a little close to the end zone here, but all right, let's try it. And it worked because Dak got the ball up and down, but I, I really did. I thought Kellen Moore called a great game, not trying to run his head against the wall, literally, but like I actually run the ball over and over just to, just to run it. So I think that they replaced it with quick passes, swings, getting the ball out, heavy pressure defense, getting the ball out. I, I thought it was a great performance. So that's why I'm very excited to watch it now against kind of a very, a little bit of a different defense in, in the Chargers. So I want to dig into that. A few specific things that I noticed from Dallas that I thought were really interesting. So in those 12 personnel sets when they were in two tight ends, the tight ends were on the same side a bunch of the times. They were in that like YY wing look where they're on the same Absolutely. side, yeah. which yeah. allows you to put both of your receivers on the other side and they were interchanging those guys and what they looked like. So they were doing a bunch of different stuff out of there. It it makes a defense declare too. Like it. So like, cause if you have the two receivers on one side and two tight ends on one side, the defense has to declare what coverage they're in. Cause if it's man, man, both corners will travel. And if you're in base, if you're in zone, Oh wow. The safety's over there. All right. I think I know what I'm getting here. So that it it helps them declare a little bit. Easy way to do that. They did that a bunch. They did some double slant stuff out of there that was really yeah. nice, like drive openers. And then one thing they kept going to out of that look as well, they you ran a ton of RPOs in this game. And yeah. I think you know they didn't run the ball very much at all, but I think that's because Dak was just flipping it out to whoever was out there in the flat because it's like, all right, yeah. we're going to get you in base defense because we have our two tight ends on the field. We're going to have both our receivers over here with Shaq Barrett covering one of them in the slot. We yeah. want to make him out there play, make him play out there in space. 
Why would we slam our heads against the wall here against an amazing run defense when we can just squirt the ball out to Michael Gallup, let him pick up five yards and keep going about our business? Same thing. Yeah. They were doing that plenty. And I think it was – that's a vote of confidence in Dak's ability to control the game. That's him dictating the game and really having it in his hands, which I think is something you should do with a quarterback (laughs) who's that good. And then the other thing I saw that I think is going to be – all over the league this year in a bunch of different ways for multiple reasons. I think the Packers did a lot of it and teams are going to steal from them. But I also think it's a really good way to play against some of these lighter box teams. So a lot of 21 personnel with that second running back doing weird stuff. So you saw Tony Pollard in motion a bunch. You saw him, you know, motioning out and getting that swing pass is like another kind of manufactured run play. I assume the Cowboys are going to do a lot of stuff out of that personnel package. Is he going to go vertical every once in a while like Aaron Jones does? So just these wrinkles, this is what I wanted to see out of this team. It's like they have so much talent. Put those guys in positions to make the game easier on them. And they really did that a bunch against a really good defense. And now they're going against a defense that we could not wait to see. And I don't know. I came away from that Chargers game. There's a lot to chew on. I mean, the way that they deployed those guys, the way that they did it. So that first glimpse of that Brandon Staley Chargers defense with this personnel, what jumped out to you? Oh, man. Well, Joey Bosa playing like a stud. Uh, But how how they use Derwin (laughs) James, which I'm I'm sure we'll both talk about because that's the thing I had circled starred i wanted to see i wanted to see what they did with him because i knew i knew staley would be creative with it and put him in a good spot um but also not even just talk about the two stars their defense i mean it's what's those are really that's what they have those two guys it was how fast everyone else played i mean that speaks to staley and i mean we've gushed about him before but seeing them all week one and i know scott turner with washington was trying to funky it up a little bit with some of these motions and everything no hesitations everyone passing it off like it was like boom, 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 like just the movement of everything. It was cool to really see the kind of like different defensive personnel packages. I think that's a good way to put it. They had their base look. Derwin, and honestly, honestly, you could describe their personnel packages as where they put James at. Base, James is a too high safety. Big nickel, James is in the slot, almost as like a zone player. Normal nickel, James is as a safety, sometimes rotating down to the box, playing like as an extra linebacker. Dime or playing the, the post on like a 50 yard or throw down the, the field <laughs> and yes. spin turning with scary Terry who runs like a four, three and change. Like, like it Incredible. was nothing, nothing. And then on the play before he's filling the run and like clotheslining the running back. And then, Oh, and then on top of it, they go dime and he's covering the running back Antonio Gibson. Who's no joke to cover. Um, he's covering a slot receiver. He's working from the slot pressed. He's not playing off there either. And going like, Oh, I'm, Hoping to catch you, it's like no, he's pressing and bringing it to the receiver. It's like, holy shit! <laughs> that I, I I believe in Duro and James now. I've I've been always been like, oh, okay, intrigued on how these going to get used. But it's cool to see him use this way where he's around the ball a lot. But just also the other guy that stepped up, and this speaks, and we've talked about this defense needs good safeties. Is Nasir Adley? I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. He played phenomenal, number twenty four. Uh, but that was a he had a really fun game. Sante Samuel did a couple nice things. It, it, it's cool it was really cool some guys that i have never really paid attention to were popping in, in a good way and not in a lot exactly way, what say. we wanted to see from this team it's exactly yes. what the rams did last year it's when yes. you have the darius williams's yes. and the guys like that that's jordan fullers yeah yep and yep. and so the few things that jumped out to me you know obviously 
a lot of conversation about the Staley defense coming into this year and like how is it different than the Fangio defense and what does he do that's different? And there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into that, like being more matchy in coverage and doing more college concepts. But one of just the overarching things that's really easy to understand is the different personnel packages that they use, right? So when you come out in a given play, it's hard to know what angles you're trying to use in the run game, who you're trying to attack in the pass game, because guys are lined up in different places than you expect them to be. So yep. on any given play, Derwin can be a deep half safety. He can be in the slot. Chris Harris was playing safety. Wall Derwin was in the slot playing the star position that they have. So just yep. all of that unpredictability makes it really difficult to play against this team. And you saw that on the back end. One thing I noticed that was cool, when the Bears had Prince of Mukamara and Kyle Fuller, they would have one guy play press and one guy play off because that was mm -hmm. just stylistically how they were more comfortable. The Chargers are doing that with Michael Davis playing press because he's 6'2 and he's got those long-ass limbs, and Asante is playing off because wow. he likes to see it. So yeah. just seeing that kind of parallel with the way that that defense used to play with two very different corners stylistically, that was really cool. So yeah. again, not, a, not the most shocking thing in the world, the way these guys were deployed, but still something that I'm going to want to watch every single week. How did they use Derwin this week? How did they scheme up the, the stuff on the back end? What did they do? The one thing that was a little bit different, more blitzing. They yeah. brought more pressures Just about to say that. in this yeah. game than the Rams typically did. You know, the Rams on third down would do a lot of creative stuff last year. You know, a lot of games and stunts, but it was mostly four-man pressures. I want to say the Chargers brought five or more on like 11% of their snaps. Last, uh, last week, which is more than you would have expected based on what Staley did last season. So again, just and, little tiny wrinkles here and there. And I think that's just knowing his personnel because those five-man pressures, one, you're unlocking Joey Bosa. Hey, we got you one-on-one -on -one with the right tackle, which is like scary for the Cowboys this week is that yeah, we're going to get to got, that. The, yes. You got the Zoolander look blocking them. So they're going to have to have Terrence Steele. So you're going to have to uh, have a little uh, chip help for him. But it's those one-on-ones is... That's where Derwin and especially they would do it out of dying personnel. And that's where James would be, they would put him on where they think the ball was going. Cause I saw him on a slot receiver. I saw him on Logan Thomas and I saw him on a running back and they manned him up in different guys. I don't know if it was different calls or whatever, however, formationally, whatever it was. But I was like, that's pretty interesting. Cause they're like, Hey, we got this stud that can cover anybody. All right. Let's put him on where we think this ball is going on third down. And on top of it, let's have Joey Bosa one-on-one -on -one with your right tackle. It's probably going to be your worst tackle. <laughs> you know, get most offenses. That's who you're, you're hiding your worst lineman over there. So it's, it's going to be really cool. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the Cowboys offense real quick <laughs> because I, I just have like one thing. How much split back did you see this past week? Well, that's split what I was back. saying about the Pollard stuff because you're going to see so much of the split back stuff because the Packers used it with success against – the Rams right. last year in the playoffs. Yeah. So you saw the Bears doing that exact same thing where they'll have yeah. two backs in the backfield. They motion one of the backs out because the Rams' response to that in the playoffs last year Push. was the linebacker followed him. So yep. now you have this super light box and you run back into it. What did the Rams do? They Just brought the safety, the safety down. <laughs> down and kept this linebacker in. So now that uh, box isn't as light. So now yeah. because teams are going to start stealing so much of the Rams stuff and play with lighter boxes – I think more teams are going to be using some of the split back stuff in order to manipulate box counts and be able to run the ball. So now what is the next adjustment going to be? Then yeah. that's, that's what week one is, man. It's like, it's all right, awesome. here's our response to the 2020 season. Now what's next? 
And that's yep. what you have to watch for. So uh, yeah, there's so much split back and pony and two, like that oh, is no. going to be more prevalent for all of these different reasons. Unless you have this studs everywhere, you have to get creative just to give yourself that advantage. Just where you just, we, we talked about, Hey, making the quarterback hold the ball an extra second. That's what all yep. this is. You want all those things that you do to add up. This is the Steelers defense playing safe, putting their best player, make Fitzpatrick in the hole. And as a robber, making the quarterback double clutch, putting five, if this is the chargers putting five one-on-ones having Derwin James on your best receiver or best receiving option. It's just, they add up. You're saying, okay, he double clutches. We have five one-on-ones. Someone's going to get home like that. They're just playing the math. They're saying you can't be perfect every single time. And that's awesome. I, I, I love offenses and defenses that just go, you beat us. Hey, we're, you, we're going to make you beat us. And that is the best. And the fact that more and more teams are doing that, that's, Gash or be gash. That's the best type of football. That's points. That's big plays. That's the best type of stuff. So it's really cool. And that split back stuff too, it makes sense because the the obvious, quote unquote, obvious answer that I would say, even if I were to game plan something against these defenses is to create four strong looks or overload looks where you're making them yep. play off their match rules, especially with jet motion. That's what the split back motion does. Hey, boom, get that jet motion, make them push, boom. And like you said, with the Rams example, I know it's so cool seeing that adjustment, wasn't it? They just said, not yeah. this year. They're like, not this year. You're not getting us. <laughs> hey, we're dropping that safety. I want to see now. I want to see what offenses do against that. But yeah, again, it just gets into like this. Everyone. Well, now you hope maybe can we hit a shot behind it? Now that Correct. you've declared and that's, you've walked down, can we hit a shot behind it? And that's when what you're it is. trying to figure out the ways to get the explosives against that team, now instead of now you're scheming that up for a six-yard run. Now maybe you can scheme that up for a forty-yard shot down the field. So yeah. that's it. Yeah. Like th- those it's are the fat. next steps. And the best play callers too are the best. Like on the first drive, they'll run it and just see what the defense does, and then they just yep. go, "Oh, we f- we fucking got them!" Like because <laughs> <laughs> you'll just see that play come up again, and they're just like, "Oh, boom!" Like Shannon, like the best play callers do that. Every a lot of play callers do it. They're like they just throw a couple test plays out there just to see what you do, and then they just go, "Okay, all right, here we go. Here comes the shot play dialing up. We're gonna wad this up." It's gonna be awesome. It's kind of a bummer how I how good the Cowboys offense looks looked last week. Again, stumbles in the red zone, but moved the ball extremely well. Now you lose Ter- you lose Lyle Collins for five games, so Terrence Steele is gonna be playing right tackle. And then on the other side of the ball, I know that's not what we're focusing on. Demarcus Lawrence breaking his oh, foot man. is just that's such a blow Brutal. to them. He he is he was so good last week Put against a, Tristan Wirth. Star. Yeah. I mean, he's such a good player. And now yeah. Randy Gregory is also on the COVID list, and Neville Gallimore is already on IR. And Michael Gallup is out for several weeks. So, I mean, this is a team that I think based on what they looked like in week one, easily could have walked with the NFC East based on Washington losing its quarterback, a bunch of different stuff. And now they're dealing with their own injury issues, which it just sucks. I mean, that's just a really hard thing to have to deal with over the course of the first week of the season. All right. Our fifth one here, Josh Allen looking to bounce back against the Miami Dolphins. We talked a little bit about the Bills approach in week one. Talk about differing approaches on defense. Steelers played all zone, didn't blitz. Now you're going against the Miami team that played about 70% man on third down last year as one of the man heaviest teams in the NFL. And that is going to be, to me, a very telling adjustment. Josh Allen last season had the third highest EPA per dropback against man coverage in the entire league. Kirk Cousins was first. Rivers, not surprisingly, was second. Josh Allen third, and still teams were spamming man coverage against them and bringing tons of blitzes. So now in week one, the adjustment that we saw from the Steelers, no blitzing, ton of soft zone behind it. 
That's not typically Miami's modus operandi here. So what happens? What do the Dolphins do against the Bills as a response to what the Bills did to them last year and what they saw in week one against the Steelers? Oh, but I don't think the Dolphins change much. I think they live in what they live in. I they're 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 that type of team. That's kind of I you you respect it in some way. <laughs> it's like you kind of go like, hey, it's your fastball. Hey, live with your fastball. Hey, let's go with it. But I think it's playing with fire to blitz Josh Allen. I think it's playing with fire to blitz any scramble quarterback that can scramble because it's you can get away with it. You get a couple. I think those you lean into, you make that your changeup of the week, the pressures, just like the Steelers did, or you bring the simulators where it's only four and it's safe coverage behind. I just don't think the Dolphins do that though. I think they love living in this world of man. I think they, that that's just what they do. They're thinking they're going to dial it up and heat it up. Having said that, I do think Flores is pretty smart <laughs> for the Dolphins and he sees what the Steelers just did. And they, maybe, maybe it's going to be more of a, they max up the line of scrimmage and drop eight. And, and it's going to be those third down pressure looks are going to be a lot of the wadded up stuff, but it's going to be the changeup that usually happens. The, what Belichick usually does where it's, I call it the older brother blitz where it's, he just goes, he brings cover zero, he brings cover zero, he brings cover zero. And then he drops everybody. He goes, I'm not hitting you. Like, stop, you know, what are you talking about? Don't tell mom I'm not hitting you. That, 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 I call that the older brother move. And that, I think that's, that's really what Belichick always does. That, that was the uh, Darnold I'm seeing ghost game was that was that's yeah. exactly what he did to him. Uh, but I think that's what the look is going to be more of. It's going to be they're going to still have the blitzes, but it's going to be dialed down just a little bit because I just don't think you can you can't keep up with the horses that that the Bills have. It's just so hard to the Bills don't have a lot of ball winners, but they have a lot of guys that can win one on ones. A lot and of separators. It, that's exactly what they have. A lot of separators. And that they're built on speed and yards after the catch. They're getting the balls in their hands. They're beating you one-on-ones over and over and over and over. That's what they want to live with. So it's I, – I think that's just scary to try and play man the entire game. Like the Dolphins – not the entire game, but the Dolphins like to lean into. So I do think they'll be a little bit safer. They'll still dial up the blitzes. But I think they watch that Steelers game go – Oh, maybe they're on something. Maybe we do drop eight. Maybe we do run some coverage to Tampa two or a simulated of some sort. I don't know if they do. I think they lean into what they always do, but that, I think they maybe just tweak it just a tad. By the way, yeah, it's Josh just... Allen's a stud. <laughs> Why do you say that after that game that he played last week? He made some st. The I at first watched that game and I was like, oh no, they revert to 2019 or even 2018. Josh Allen, nothing how he was operating made me think that. I think he is he is taking yeah. a step forward mentally where it's like it, it's not that didn't phase him. What happened last week was probably a good lesson for him. He still hit some monster throws. It was more of they were a step behind game plan wise. It just happens. It happens sometimes. It just sometimes that everybody gets paid a lot of money to be good at this sport. <laughs> so, also, the, <laughs> the Steelers defense has a pretty good track record of success of doing this. I know. So it's don't overreact. Josh Allen made some. S tier throws, God tier throws. I mean, he had a, a three, three. I want to name. He had this dig throw, a basic, a basic digs like a tight end dig on the inside, 14, 16 yards. It's a high low concept out of empty. He got fooled on a on a uh, simulated pressure, so he he was trying to get the ball out quick because he thought it was a pressure. He goes to the field. The rush is breaking through. There's two guys falling at his feet. He's falling backwards. He's like 11 yards back in the pocket and throws a missile to this dig route with the guy like Dawson Knox is like falling over before he even catches the ball, but it didn't matter. It hit him right in the neck. He had to catch it. And then like the neck, I think it was the same drive. Some penalty happened or something. He hits a seam ball 
where and, and it wasn't even a seam ball. The route was a weird ass route. He just, I, I want to say there was a penalty pre-snap because he just ran a freaking the, whoever the receiver was just ran it straight up towards the post. And then Allen just wasn't even phased and just missled that one in. And then the touchdown in the corner of the end zone on Sutton, who was playing an all-star game uh, on Sunday, he hits that one. That was just like a one inch throw. Like that was the draped over coverage with pressure coming to him in the red zone. He only could put it to one spot and guess what he did. And on top of that, his legs, like he, the best player, I said this on Sunday was Josh Allen's legs for the bills. And they had that safety blanket with him. I mean, it's I, I the first ball was that like, Beasley oh, drops. The ball Beasley dropped. I think the Beasley did not expect it to get on him so fast, and it didn't yes. expect him to fit that ball in there. He was almost a, like startled by it, and that's why it's like he when a good it point, it was such a good, good point throw. guard throws like a sweet yes. like over the beyond the back pass, and they're like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, exact same thing. But I'm not phased by what Josh Allen did last week. I honestly think he missed two throws that I could count uh, that I can recall. He sailed one corner throw, but guess what? He hit three other ones that were hard, like two of them were tough throws. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it's hard to throw those corners. We already brought up that point. It's hard to hit those over and over and over. He can do it. I, so how he performed on Sunday, I'm not phased by, I think that was just more of a, they just got out schemed. And this is going to be a, how do you respond game? How do the bills respond if more teams do this against them? And how do the dolphins respond to the way that the Steelers played them last week? So yes, that's what I'm looking for in this one. All right. We reserve the right every single week to do a bonus on top of the five that we picked. Really quickly here. Yes. Sometimes five is not going to be enough. Really quickly here. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Ravens. I think this is, you know, a question again of what is your identity and how much do you want to stick to it? Last season when these two teams played against each other, Baltimore blitzed Mahomes on 23 of his 47 dropbacks. On those plays, Patrick Mahomes was 19 of 23 for 250 yards and three touchdowns. A very chill 10.9 yards per attempt. Oh, my God. I think that would get me out of blitzing. I'd be like, yeah, hey, I know we love man coverage, but we're dropping eight, baby. <laughs> that, that is brutal. So now you have a Ravens team without Marcus Peters already. Jimmy Smith could be back this week. He is practicing, which is good news. Yeah. Marlon Humphrey is practicing, but also a little bit banged up. banged up. So what do you do? If you're the Ravens, if you're Wink Martindale in this game, what do you do? I just said, oh, the Dolphins are. I don't think the the Ravens are going to change. Do you, they you are. just sim to end and then you start that's, over next week? And and just I I think I pray. I think that's the best way you do is they they just got to hope that hey this new line with these young guys gets edgy and we can get after him a couple times. But Mahomes makes so many plays out of structure, and that's what happened last year too. Even when they brought the five man pressures and stuff, even with their dominant corners they had, it's just so hard to keep up with that team speed that the Chiefs have. But Cole Hardman not, might not be the greatest receiver in the world, but he can run. <laughs> he can he can sure run. And it's like, and then you have Travis Kelsey, who is going to be a matchup nightmare for everybody. And teams, you can see week to week, rotate who they have cover him. If they want to go man, sometimes they have a safety. Sometimes they put their best corner um, uh, on them. Like it's really depends on who the team is and what they want to do. So I think the Ravens still lean into what they do. But I think what if I were them, I would just try and make it as hard as possible. And I think it's just you play too high or you just throw, man, would you say what the blitz percentage was last year? 20? About 50%. 20, okay, let's tweak that down to about 20%. <laughs> let's make it one out of five as opposed to 50-50, you know, as opposed to something like that. Um, that's the only thing you have to do. We, we talked about last week with the Browns is you can – 
you can't make any mistakes against this team because they're going to abuse you. Like they just do. Like they, Mahomes is inevitable. Like he just is. He's going to get you over the time. Chiefs are the Chiefs. I think what you do is you make them be patient. That's the only way you can beat this team. It's truly, truly, hey, we take our lumps. Hey, we're playing too high. They hit that. They hit Tyreek Hill on some crazy play, but it's like, we have some some guys that can keep up with them. Let's try and make just make it soft and make it easy. Just basically what the Steelers did to Josh Allen. I know Mahomes is a whole different level, but just really just try and make it uh, a shortened game, I guess is the best way to put it. Run, run the ball, make them matriculate down the field, make them go on long drives and kick field goals. That's the only way you can keep up this Chiefs team, especially when you're banged up like this. Speaking of being banged up on the other side of the ball, something to look out for. Ronnie Stanley not playing this week. <sighs> Jason yeah. Lockenfora from ESPN or CBS reported today that he is out for at least this week and possibly longer. He did not look right on Monday. He did. I mean, Mitch talked about that. Mitchell Schwartz and I talked about that on Wednesday's show. He did not look right. So he now, did. here now the now the wheel starts to turn. Now, though, when a waiver moves to the right side, and you have Patrick McCarry, who is an interior lineman, now moving to right tackle. This this is how disasters happen. Yeah. This is how things start to pile on top of each other. So now. You're already losing Marcus Peters. You've lost six running backs. Your all-pro left tackle, who you thought was healthy, is not healthy enough to play. A guy who got absolutely dusted last week consistently is now your starting left tackle, and a guy who is not a tackle is your starting right tackle. I mean, we were excited and enthusiastic about the Ravens coming into the year. Sometimes these seasons get away from you, and it feels like we might be trending in that direction for Baltimore. Yeah, like... Luckily, it's 17 weeks now, so you hopefully you get healthier. <laughs> You're like, okay, we can burn one of these games and, and hopefully recoup it later. But that's these are serious injuries. It's not – Ryan Stanley's yeah. coming back from a serious injury. And it, the fact that they even played week one, I was actually surprised by. He got hurt in November, I think. So it's like the fact that that he came back that, that quickly is already something in itself. And like you said, that how many seasons have gotten unraveled by a battle line? I mean, it's just uh, uh, countless, 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 not just a game, not just a season, but just games too, especially a game, how you're prepped up for this one. Like the also just not good. We're seeing the passing game where I saw Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown twice, at least twice that I just, I'm counting off the top of my head, ended up right next to each other on routes. And it's always good. I, I, I like, if it was Sammy Watts, Watkins or, you know, Doverney or somebody at Tywin Wallace, you know, one of them doing it. Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown are in their third year in the Greg Roman offense. And the fact that those two vets who are supposed to be your best receivers, I, I would say is good, but end up next to each other twice on big plays. One of them was a third down. It's like, oh, come on. Are we doing this again? Like, cause you can't make it hard. You're already, you're already battling uphill. You're already battling it with one hand tied, one hand tied behind your back. Don't make it harder on yourself. Just, just play okay sound football. And yeah, you might not have the best plays, best players, but at least you're not, you know, shooting yourself in the foot and just giving it to the other team. When you have two guys running the same route, Lamar can only do so much. Like he, Lamar can only take so many hits. It's just, it is what it is. I don't know. It's very concerning for my AFC North pick <laughs> from the preseason. I put the stank on him. <laughs> All right. Speaking of putting the stank on people, it's time to get to this week's pick segment. It's time now for our weekly pick segment, which, oh boy, one weekend, already not sure how this is quite go going so far. Shiel Kapadia, Nate Tice, Shiel, 
how are you feeling a week into this? Because it did not go well last week. Yeah, you know, I've I've used a couple of tricks to rationalize it. One is, you know, <laughs> on the on the athletic, you know, I write the column, right? So I go ten five and one, but it tells you that I have no, con- I don't know what's going to hit, what's not, because I don't pick a winner at all here. So as I told Nate, I'm a volume shooter, me. So I mean, I don't know. I know right now we're doing three picks, but if this continues, like you can't just bring me in off the bench and take three shots and sit me down. Like I need to heat up, I need to warm up, I need to work a sweat, and so I uh, listen. There, there might need to be some adjustment to this uh, as we go but you know that's uh, and then the other weird thought I had was that I'm like you know I was sitting here Monday night as the Ravens are blowing that and I'm like you know what Sheila you've done the column for three years like that's your wife the pick segment that's just a mistress you know you, you, you go in but it's fun while it lasts but it doesn't mean anything don't let that ruin your evening here you know so yeah so that that will tell you something about my headspace so uh, on the week, we're 0-5-1, you two. But Nate, at least Shield got close. Yep. The Lions were half a point away from pushing. He got the backdoor push with the Jets. You went 0-3, and, and none of yours were even in the ballpark. Hey, the Vikings was that that that's the thing I'm playing just like just like Shields saying he's a volume shooter. I'll use my basketball analogy. I'm like a late career Shaq or Rasheed Wallace. I have to play myself into shape. As the season goes along, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I'm playing myself into shape as the season goes along. No, but that's the thing is getting away from being in like working for a football team has been really nice where it's like, oh, a team loses. Eh, I'm fine. I can watch Sports Center all week. Now I'm watching this Vikings uh, Bengals game, just MFing every bad play the Vikings had. I was I posted about the refs today because I'm so bitter about it. I'm trying to get the ref. That's like, when you know. Refs. That's when you know that's, things are off the rails. And I'm like, oh no, this is how we're. That's week one. <laughs> so can't wait. Here we go. 17 more weeks to go. So for the people who did not listen to this last week when we did it before week one. Here is the format for the pick segment over the course of the year. These guys are going to pick three games against the spread. I'm so happy that I've weaseled my way out of this. It's one of the best finesse moves I've ever pulled. If you get one right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, you get nothing. Every week, you have the option of designated one game as your lukewarm lock of the week. It's getting lukewarmier as we go forward here after the performances you guys put up last week. If you get that right, you get three points, but you lose a point if you get it wrong. I don't even know if this is going to matter based on kind of how things have gone so far. So far, the total score is Shield with half a point for his push to zero for Nate one week into this. So there's only one way to go from here, guys. It's only yep. going to get better from here. Yeah, yep. and, it's and- like it's. Oh, sorry, Shield. No, I was gonna say week, week one was weird because I'm supposed, you know, I'm supposed to be like, all right, I'm going at it with Nate, but I think we were just like commiserating. I'm like, come on, Vikings, like, come on, we can't oh. go, both go winless in this segment. So I don't. There's probably a wrestling analogy that Nate can tell us. We're like, two guys are supposed to be enemies. I'm like, we're in this together. Either we're well, both in misery or, or we both do something well. What, what happened with the Lions game where I messaged you? Was it the onside kick or like yeah. a uh, yeah something? I was like, I was like, let's go. Like, I just messaged you. Right Right away. Let's go, buddy. I was like, the one greatest of us get part on the board. of the, the best part about the Lions game is that Quintus Cephas almost got the Lions to cover. I the know. fact that we had Quintus Cephas from the Nate side and then Shield having the Lions plus seven and a half. Oh it, it was the greatest was outcome possible for this podcast. It, it was, was too exciting. Much. <laughs> really, was all right. Too exciting. So let's get to this because I'm sure people cannot wait to hear your guys' insights on some of these lines for week two. Shield, why don't you kick us off? What is the first game that you're picking here from the week two slate? 
All right. First is so, so my theme for this week was like, you know, I was trying to not overreact to week one. So what I thought before the season, I was like, remember what you thought before the season. Yep. Don't go overboard. And so I've got the Carolina Panthers at home against the New Orleans Saints. Panthers are plus three and a half. I'm going with Carolina to cover the three and a half. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I thought, uh, you know, Sam Darnold and that offense completely lit it up in week one against the Jets. They did not. But I did see a coaching staff that put him in much better position to succeed. Just some of the stats were, were pretty interesting. He had the lowest number uh, percentage of tight window throws of any quarterback in the NFL uh, last week. I think he had 107 yards off of play action. So they were uh, using that and they were throwing on early day. You know, all this stuff like the, you know, the analytics people are telling us, hey, here's how you help a quarterback they were at least doing that for him and I'm not all in on like that Jameis performance you know re-watching that game I'm like all right he had the interception that was called back for what felt like a bogus penalty I thought his pass catchers did an amazing job on some of those I mean they were making incredible catches Juwan Johnson Alvin Kamara so I don't know that that's going to happen again I mean the guy had 85 passing yards and they were up 24 to 3 so uh, I'm frightened I'm scared going against Sean Payton I do not want to make a habit of doing this given what he's done the past few years but um i think that panthers defense they've just got some like you know athletes on that side of the ball and i just look at that matchup at the skill positions and i think maybe they can create a turnover or two keep it close maybe even win the game me and nate dug into that game a little bit earlier on the podcast just the performance that the panthers offense had i was impressed with what they did last week okay. even if the final score didn't necessarily show that so i appreciate you sticking to your preseason guns there shield <laughs> okay. we'll see how that goes but i not understand well. your reason yeah will not go well but here here i am We'll see where that breaks. I, I think that that game's gonna be a little like uglier than you would think. Not in a bad way, where it's like bad football, but more of like a, a fist fight. I think than you would think. So I actually like taking the points. I, I I'm staying away from that game, but yeah, I, I can see the angle. Okay, Nate, who yeah. you got? What's your first one? First one, I am going. <laughs> I I'm not overreacting because this is what I thought they would look like anyways. But and I'm going. I'm not learning my lesson. I am going with a road favorite here. Uh, I'm going with the Rams <laughs> minus three and a half against the Colts. Uh, at, at Indy. And with that game, we talked about Robert, but it's, I, I just watching that performance on Sunday and watching it back on the film. And like, actually, you know what? Andy Dalton played okay. And, but yeah. just what the, you know, he really did. And, but the Rams defense is just outstanding. And looking at what cars, how Carson Wentz looked, uh, in week one, it's like, oh no, it was more of the same. So it was, that is kind of scary. I'm kind of almost betting against Frank Reich figuring out Carson Wentz. I think that's going to be an ongoing process for them to kind of really hone in on what they do well because they got so many new parts. I mean, just they're just got a hodgepodge of pieces right now. Not bad, but just got to figure that out. And just how the Rams look, the run game look good, not just the Stafford stuff. Like they're in the gun now, throwing the ball with Stafford. Like it is, it's really fun stuff. I'm writing about it right now, but it, it, I'm going with the Rams three and a half because I just think until. People get a real good beat on them. They're fine running the ball. They're fine passing the ball, and they're fine spreading it out. They're fine going with their zone stuff. They're they're running like cool windback stuff where the receivers are inserting. And I just think that creativity is going to help when they go against a team that's going to be in a lot of the same coverages all game. So they're going to know what they're getting and going to have answers for it. So I, I just think they're going to continue the trend until teams start getting more tape on them, seeing what they're doing with Stafford. I'm going to go with the Rams minus three and a half. I don't know if we have a, a I don't know if we have a name for this. Maze, but Nate, 
We both got the Rams three and a half, baby. Let's go. Let's go, <laughs> fighting McVeigh. Two wrongs make a right. Two wrongs <laughs> right. make a right. Let's That's do it. That's right. No, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, but I just I feel like there's a huge talent gap in this game. When you yes. look at where the Colts are, just uh, from an injury standpoint here, their tackles look terrible uh, last week. And I'm with, I, I thought in that game, the Colts were really like, Frank Reich was like, Let, let's hide Wentz a little bit. You know, we're yeah. like the number one thing was I'm not putting the game on his shoulders. It was they ran yeah. the ball. And then I'm, I don't know how many running backs I I swear every other play was a running back screen to Jonathan Taylor, which they're good at. And he looked good at it, but it's like, how many times can you do that? And, and the, that Rams defense where that bears game, it's like, okay, go ahead, complete underneath, complete underneath. That's like, like if you have a formula to, that Carson Wentz does not want to play, that's it. I mean, patience, precision, uh, accuracy on some of those layup throws, like that is not uh, his game at all. So I think the matchup, really uh, favors the Rams here, but I'm sure at, uh, you know, mid afternoon on Sunday, we're going to be like, you know, this was the, this was the look too easy game. It could be, yeah. this was the look too or, could be the look too easy or the game, Rams but, or the Rams went by a field goal. And we just, yeah, go, oh. right. But no, no, yeah. <laughs> we just go, oh, Shield, I think it's so funny that you say that because that was a real stark contrast with the Rams game last week and the Colts game last week with new quarterbacks. The Colts felt like they were really, yeah, really antsy, really trying to hide him, trying to like, all right, let's, how do we feel about this? Kind of not, not really right. comfortable with the whole thing. And the Rams were like, here we are world. Like <laughs> yeah. we are, we are putting this guy on yes. display. I hope yeah. you're ready for it. You could Good sense point. that just in yeah. the way that they were playing and what they were asking them to do. I couldn't think of two quarterback debuts more different than those two were last week. So I, I think it makes total sense from both of you guys. Nate, what's your second one here? Uh, my second one, because again, I don't learn lessons. If 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 you're going to learn anything about me, is I'm very stubborn uh, with this betting process, and I'm going with a team that really stuck it to me last week. But I'm going with the Vikings plus four at the Cardinals. And like I said, I've watched both of these games and watched the Cardinals, and I'm not knocking anything the Cardinals did. I, I still do think that the offense is Kyler go do go do something funny, but and I just think the Vikings really. They got unlucky in that game. I do think they have talent gaps up front, and I, I do think the Cardinals are better up front uh, as far as Vikings offense versus Cardinals defense. But I do think that they're going to be able to run the ball and stay ahead of, the, ahead of the chains better than the Titans did last week. I think that was just a terrible game script for for the Titans. On the Vikings side, just watching the game, like they, they got 12 penalties. Uh, they, I mean, they really at least should have pushed. They're really hurting at tight end. I, I'm like, just going to go super negative on the Vikings right here and then say I'm about to bet them. So that's just perfect. <laughs> um, but it's just, I was I was surprised how easy that the Bengals ran on them. That was actually very surprising to watch, especially on the rewatch. It was good stuff by them. But, but having said that, I do think that the Cardinals will not abuse that as much as the Bengals did. I think uh, Cliff is kind of one of those guys that wants to get a little bit of everything going and maybe he won't pound the rock as much as he should against that team. I think the Vikings, like I said, they had bad luck last week, and they're just due, if they just play the same way, they're going to keep this game close. They might not win, but I do think it's going to be a close game, especially with those blitz packages. I know Rodney Hudson is just, he's done, he's really helped them out, but I do think it's going to, you know, I think that Zimmer's going to get there. The one thing I am worried about is the Vikings O-line is a bit of like that has that suicide squad feel going against Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, like kind of a little bit like, yeah, we're about to go to our death right here. But I'm just hoping that they hold on <laughs> for 60 minutes and they get me through this game. But I'm going with the Vikings plus four. What did you think about their offense just overall, like the passing game, the first game from Clint Kubiak? We haven't hit that game at all, uh, no. what they looked like offensively. What were your impressions when you went back and watched them? I 
It's I mean, it's a Kubiak offense all the way. Um, I thought some of the third down passing was actually pretty good. Like where they're isolating Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So that's kind of cool. Their situational passing was better. They got to get Kirk in the gun on first down uh, uh, just because the interior of the line is just so bad. <laughs> it really is. Like I mean, I should say bad, but it's inconsistent. And I just think that they should give him some breathing room on some of these passes. Like I think they're just so... They could be so static with their stuff. They'll be in 20 personnel and I formation. And it's like, okay, well, this is pass. You know what I mean? Like they, their, yeah. their tendencies are hundred percenters at this point in time. So I think like Clint's guy kind of maybe just, uh, uh, his name Clint. <laughs> yeah. Coach, yes. Kubiak, Coach Kubiak Jr. Um, I don't know why I said, I was like, I guess there it actually got it right. But it's, I just think that maybe just getting him in the gun and spreading it out a little bit more because they have to, because they're trying to rely on these tight ends that they got off the street who are just uh, head cases right now, not only physically, but it's, so I just think they got to understand where their weaknesses are. And I know they want to do these other things, but help each other, help themselves out a little bit. Shio, what's your last one, buddy? Yeah, that, that one was on my list. I had a handful that I was choosing from, and I do like that side uh, of the Vikings. Now, I was I didn't have the same takeaway you did as last week. I kind of felt like they, they sort of stole it just to be in that game. I mean, they're down 21-7, and the Bengals go for it on that fourth down. So um, I got scared away by their O-line against what I saw from Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt last week but we'll see i you know th- that is one where don't, don't overreact to. <laughs> yeah but if you're not overreacting to week one you're like you know th- those should be fairly even teams so uh, i do yeah. have that side all right i am going with the denver broncos now this was one where i'm like shield this is a you know the suckers bet you're going with the the favorite uh on the road against the team that stung last week but i'm like you know what i want to feel good on sunday and it, and so you know i'll feel fine about this if i bet against like that urban meyer jack see i didn't think a team looked any uh worse prepared than the Jags did last week I mean 10 penalties three turnovers five drops they went three and out on 50 percent of their drives against the Texans (laughs) Tyrod Taylor he's shredding them so and I don't know if this is normal or not maybe you guys can tell me for a team account to be tweeting out the coach saying he's committed to the organization (laughs) one freaking week into his tenure I mean are you serious brick by brick I was like oh my gosh what is happening with that franchise it's week two we're going into week two what is happening here so uh I I just made a rule to myself I'm like you know what if the Jags are gonna be dogs of like under uh, a touchdown I'm just gonna take them I think uh take the other team but sorry until it burns me and I got to say that Broncos win was impressive. I thought that was like one of the best versions of Teddy Bridgewater I've seen. I mean, he was spraying it all over the field. He was making second reaction plays. I like just, you know, the body language stuff, the enthusiasm and like, you know, teammates getting uh, pumped for each other and like their defense didn't play great. I thought their defense had a lot of uh, room to grow, but I was really encouraged by their offense. Um, in that game. So, you know, they had a fumble in the red zone. KJ Hamler had a big drop uh, on like a 50 yard touchdown. Like they easily could have scored mid thirties or 40 there. So it's six points. It's one of those where you look at it and you're like, this does feel sort of like a sucker's bet, but I was like, it's week two. I want to feel good about it. I don't want to be rooting for Alliance cover like I was doing last week. So this is more for my mental health probably than anything else that I'm taking the Broncos minus six. I totally get it, though. I mean, you look <laughs> yeah. at that offense and what we thought about it coming into the season. Six points seems like a lot, but the way they played in week one and then the way the Jags offense looked, I looked up some of the numbers. <laughs> you know, the Texans used cover two on 40 snaps oh last week in week one. Lovey! 40 snaps. <laughs> Lovey's 40 back, times. That's so concerning that's, for, yeah. So <laughs> that, that's, that was their offense when they knew what was coming pretty much every right. single play. 
now they're playing against Fangio, yes. and it's going to be an entirely different beast. So I completely understand you going that way, Shield, even if it seems like a lot for an offense that maybe we weren't overly enthusiastic about coming into the year. Yeah, I, I it shouldn't like the Jaguars just be so much more enthusiastic on the field, like all preseason and in the last week. It just like they look listless. They look like yeah. the team last year going one and fifteen. It's like you already got the, your quarterback. Like let's see a little a little pep in your step. No juice. Like, yeah, I know, I know. It's oh man, but that yeah, I, I mean that's other things. But I mean also with the Broncos, it's like Von Miller's back uh, and he looks. Fan freaking tastic, and just that defense. I, I I agree with everything you guys just said. I know it's one of those where minus six seems like a lot because you're like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get beaten by seven. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, if you're if you're going to be against that Jaguars defense, I think they're going to have it their way. <laughs> However, they want to get those points, or they can run the ball, and I think they can pass the ball how they want to against them. So I, I see the angle. I, I like it. <laughs> I was worried that I got the forty wrong. That 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 was like, no, nah, it's way too high. No, it was forty. It was forty. <laughs> it, it was it was forty. It, it was I mean, 40. it's a great point because it's what everybody expected the Texans to run. Yep. So you know, it, it, like if you would have said he ran, um, you know, forty snaps of like uh, cover one or or, or yeah. one robber or something, you know, then, something whoa. that they're they're not expected coming in. But like this is the one thing we know about. Uh, like even I could tell you, I you know, I think Lovey Smith. They're probably going to be running some cover two forty <laughs> snaps, and to look like that, man, that is uh, that. I'm glad to, it makes me feel better uh, about my pick. Not that it should, like but it, it does. All right. The tone of this is way too optimistic just overall. I'm letting you guys know. It's going to be so fun to listen back to this when all of these crash and burn. When Trevor Lawrence somehow burns down Vic Fangio's defense, it's going to be amazing. On that note, Nate, what's your last one? And to top it off, I'm going to make this a pick of the week. I am right here. Yes! Yes! I'm doing it. I got it right here. Okay. I don't know if there's like do 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 like a noise makes or anything like that. But my pick of the week is weird. I'm going with a road, uh, road favorite again. I can't help myself. 49ers minus three at Philly at the Eagles. Wow. And I think this is because the Eagles played a JV team last week and everyone's overreacting. Think they look phenomenal. As much as, as much as I love Devontae Smith, as much as I love what they did do against the Falcons, I don't believe it. And I might just, this might burn me. But I think it's just the 49ers are going to outclass them. This is like a horse race where the the Eagles just won a, a $10,000 race at Canterbury Downs in Minnesota. And the 49ers, though, are winning, you know, purse races at Churchill Downs in Kentucky. Like that is what I kind of pictured this as. I know the 49ers squeaked by the lines, but they truly dominated that game for three and a, three quarters. Um, so I just like you said, Shield, I'm sticking with where I, my thoughts were from the summer and from the spring where I thought the Eagles were one of the poor lesser rosters in the league and i thought 49ers had a really good roster even with Verrett going down all that I, i'm gonna go with the 49ers minus three i just think they're gonna control the rock they're gonna confuse they're gonna get after jalen hurts a little bit uh, and actually make him read stuff out they're gonna have a better game plan for him they just have more talent than that falcons defense did to get after him so 49ers minus three pick of the week let's do it can't wait to regret this this is I'm upset because I wasn't ready with any sort of punishment because I didn't think you guys would pull the ripcord this early on the pick of the week. Had to. So I'm going to uh, have to I'm going to have to marinate on this over the weekend and decide what you have to do when you get this wrong. Not if, but when you get this wrong, what you're going to have to do next week on the show or a little bit beforehand. This <laughs> is wait. bold. I love it. I love it. There's just no reason to wait. Let's get this going. Hey, uh, Bruce I, Arians. No. Hey, no balls, no blue chips. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love, uh, my baby. 
I think the hope for the Eagles in that game is that up front they, they can win some of those matchups. You know, they played the Niners uh, last year in their defensive line. Like, I know Trent Williams was maybe the best left tackle in the league last year, but they, like, got after him and got after that offensive line uh, quite a bit. And I think the Eagles' defensive line was as good as advertised in week one. And then, you know, that, that Niners defensive line against the Eagles offensive line, that's going to be pretty fun to watch with everybody. Yeah. Um, Javon Kinlaw, I don't know if he's going to play, but everybody else uh, sort of being healthy. So it's a bold pick because the Niners are a little banged up, right? Dre Greenlaw, I think is out. Uh, Jason Brett, yep. you, you mentioned there. So they've got Emmanuel Mosley uh, hasn't been practicing. Right, I mean, they're they're on the cornerbacks. Yeah. So it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a bold pick. As much as I love Devontae Smith, it's one of those where I just think it's a situation is no one else is scaring you. And if Jalen Hurts is a I love him as like as like a dude, it seems like, but just him as a quarterback in the pocket operating, don't let him scramble and you're you're fine. Honestly, it's he's one and yeah. go. And I think this 49ers defense has the horses to actually do that. Fred Warner getting underneath on stuff. And then even just up front, if he has to double clutch the ball, they're around those games and here comes Nick Bosa around the side. But no, that's that that was my concern too. And I see this line has gone down. When I originally had it, yes. it was minus it was it was minus four and it's gone down a point. And I, I I'm happy actually to get it at minus three. I, I just I just really do think that four ers offense can control it and just God, that is a good point about their DLI. Uh, because what J- Javon Argrave had a hell of a game. Yeah, but it's also, yeah. like I said, he's going against Canterbury Downs offensive alignment <laughs> from the Falcons. <laughs> so that's that's what I know. It, that's what I love about football. It's like because the NFL, especially, it's like week to week, guys can look phenomenal. And then also in the next week, are like, oh, yeah, that's right. He wasn't playing anybody. Right. So that, and it, it, that's why by the time we figured it out, it's usually the playoffs are starting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's why I, I, I just really. I just think the 49ers outclass them. I just really do think that. I think they had a good game plan. I thought they got a little too cute um, in that Lions game. I think now that maybe they get a little more pissed off and they're just going to run away with this one. Hopefully. Who knows? I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see how all this unfolds again. One (laughs) week into this, six games picked. We got half a one right. So... Again, it can only get better from here. Only go up from here, baby. Spot in the lead. Gentlemen. That's all we're doing. Gentlemen, really appreciate it. Again, this is going to be a blast all year. I cannot wait to see all of this shit crash and burn over the next few days. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back on Sunday night with Nate. Until then, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I'd sincerely appreciate that. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. You can check out Shields' full picks column there where he does a lot better than he does on this show. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Also, please check out Best on the Board, which is on our fantasy show. I highly encourage you to listen to that as well. We've got a lot of good stuff happening on that feed. If you have not listened to that already, please do. Again, Nate and I will be back on Sunday night with our live stream. Please come check that out. I'll be tweeting out that link here over the next couple days. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.